Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. A very warm welcome to Soulful Conversations. I'm your host, Siobhan Reardon, Director at Learning Communities Network, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Sherard Aragual. A very warm welcome to you, Sherard. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm always happy to connect with you. So good morning to you, and it's good afternoon in Dubai. That's right. <laughs> um, this awful conversations are about bringing world leaders into um, the room and to talk really about as we're living through the age of COVID and hopefully coming to the post-COVID age, agendas have shifted and everything has changed and we're being asked to navigate a terrain that we haven't navigated before. And um, so I wanted to bring people in to, to talk about what are the, the leading issues that we need to be looking at today. And Sherard is founder of Cybergear in 1996 and is globally one of the leading web-based uh, businesses in the world. And uh, in when we had um, lockdown, he was there right at the very beginning. Uh, he created only webinars to bring so that the conversations can keep going and to bring industry together, business to business, and for individuals and communities as well to continue engaging and talking together. So, Sherad, um, we've met on many, many occasions, and I've been so inspired by your willingness to take this lead and particularly to take the lead with the conversation, because everything begins with a conversation. And one of the things that inspired me to invite you was you're uh, the founder of Cybergear, you're Mr. Techman, um, not just in the Middle East, but also across Europe and the States as well. So you would think you would be leading conversations about technology and how technology can help us, but you're not. You're actually leading conversations about people and staff and teams. And so I wanted us to begin there. Why is, why is people top of your agenda? Uh, that's a good opening question, and I'm happy to take that. Uh, my philosophy in life is uh, or has been uh, people first. So when you define business, what is business? Business is not a logo. It's an entity. It's not an office. It's not the furniture. It's the people. People make the difference. So I'm a big believer in giving opportunities to people. And that's why I actually decided to turn an entrepreneur because like everybody else, I started my life after an MBA working for the ex-IBM company in India and then moved on to Saudi Arabia to work for Apple, came to Dubai, was also working in the corporate world. And uh, what um, possibly made me change my mind in terms of career path was, um, Am I creating an impact? Am I making a difference? Am I a change maker? Am I a thought leader? And living in the corporate world, I found it very hard to play those roles. And I thought, okay, if I can be my own boss, set up my own organization, try and do it my own way, then possibly I have a bigger chance of making an impact. So uh, to answer your question, people are always first in my business, in my family life. I believe in investing in people. I uh, believe in creating a good environment where they can flourish. 
and most importantly, giving them opportunities to learn, grow, and flourish. So COVID or no COVID, it has always been people first, but I must say that uh, when COVID came, it accelerated not only the digital transformation side of things, but the belief in building teams that will work together and become the best brand ambassadors for your company. So it, that's yeah. it, it's people first. Thank you, because I want to pick up a really important thread there, Sherard, when you were saying about why you left um, the corporate sector and um, became a very successful serial entrepreneur. Um, and you, you, you refer there to values and um, being very value driven. Uh, in terms of the inspiration um, and the freedom and, and implied that, you know, it was that corporate environment that almost suppressed that or suffocated it and didn't allow that to flow freely. So I'm assuming that that would be one of the threads about how we navigate this terrain that we don't know how to navigate is actually to become much more values driven. So what would you say the corporate sector needs to do if it doesn't want to lose talent like yours, then what does it need to do to enable those values to become part of the everyday life in the hybrid office? Yeah, that's a great question again. I think COVID in many ways has given a wake up call to leaders across the globe, regardless of what you do, which industry you are in, which geography you are in, it's been a serious wake-up call for leaders to uh, reimagine, to rethink, to re-engineer various uh, positions within an organization. No more is it going to be my way or the highway. It's going to be about your team. They have to uh, get priority in the scheme of things. Every leader has to get to know all his team members intimately. He has to know what cites them, what motivates them, what demotivates them, and uh, you know, create an environment where there is trust, where the team blindly will follow the leader, in which case, you know, the leader's job becomes easier. He doesn't have to be always in the front. He can lead from behind. And I think that's another concept uh, that has come around because of COVID, because uh, now we realize that if we take care of our team, they will take care of us. So all leaders now need to invest in team building exercises. And I'm not talking about just taking care of teams in terms of possibly, you know, giving them gym membership or time off or vacations or, uh, you know, uh, mental fitness classes. That, of course, goes without saying. You know, that is a given. That should always be happening. But more importantly, you have to be listening to your team and seeing what are their challenges and how you can address them. And I think that is really the key to uh, bottom line and productivity in an organization. Yeah, and this is why I'm so passionate about the learning community model, because it provides an ideal structure for, for doing that, where we're all equals in the learning process. And don't forget, we're, we're navigating that terrain that nobody knows. There's no guidebook yet written, is there? And, um, and I love it because it transcends hierarchies. 
So I hear what you're saying, and I'm also aware of some of the research that's coming out. Um, McKinsey recently did a, 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 re a report uh, where 74% um, of managers wanted people to return to the office and 78% right. of staff wanted to stay home-based. And so there's a lot of work to do, isn't there, in that gap? Yeah, this is, uh, again, you know, studies have proven that, but uh, when you go back to the basic, uh, you need to, again, see what works for the employees. If working from home is good for them, then companies should provide that option. Because now, face it, you know, the entire team, the staff, employees are wiser. They know their options. And we also read that uh, article about the great attrition, right? How people are going to be leaving jobs because they wanted their way. They wanted closer to their uh, way of working. So no more can leaders demand stuff from their team. They have to be flexible. They have to negotiate what's good for business and what's good for people. So I think uh, the entire concept of management has changed on its head. And obviously there's no one size that fits all. So every leader has to see what works for him in his marketplace, in his environment. But, you know, take care of all the learnings. We should not forget just because COVID is now kind of going away, which is good news, but the learnings are very precious. So I don't want any leader now to sidestep and say, hey, good days are here again. Let's go back to our old ways of working. No, not at all. Please learn what COVID has taught us. Become uh, more compassionate. Uh, have more empathy. Uh, define the purpose of your team, not just your own purpose. And then, I mean, there is no stopping. You can obviously achieve uh, your ROI. But like I tell everybody, ROE is the new ROI. So return on engagement is what leaders need to focus on and uh, care about all stakeholders, not just your shareholders. And of course, um, and I would bring into um, ROE, ROCE, return on collaborative engagement, because of course at the heart of moving forward is going to be our ability to awaken that wisdom of collaboration. Yes, and uh, collaboration also means synergy. I mean, in olden days, I used to say two plus two is five. Now I say two and two is 22, yeah. right? That's the uh, exponential effect when people collaborate together. So we can move mountains. I mean, I run an organization with a very skeleton team, but we cover, I, I guess we have clients in 60 countries today, worldwide. And how are we able to achieve that? Because we have a good team that believes in a common purpose. We have the tools and technology. And technology here, um, I mean, I can say that based on my background of having worked with companies like IBM and Apple, et cetera, uh, you have to use technology to uh, achieve your objectives. Because when you look at the clients, they are moving very fast, okay? I'll give you an example. In today's social media world, a client can call you out on Twitter, five minutes later on Facebook, 10 minutes later on Clubhouse. So you've got to be moving at the same speed as your client. And I give this example of uh, Shinkansen, the bullet train in Japan. If you've seen it, you've missed it. The idea is to be on it, which means what? You have to be as fast as Shinkansen to keep track of your customers because manually there's no way you can do that. 
you have to use technology not only to uh, preempt your client, but I give you another very quick example. Amazon in US did a pilot project recently where they started delivering products before they were ordered. Not as quickly as they were ordered, but there is artificial intelligence and big data available technologies, right? Of the fourth industrial revolution. So they know that Sharad Agarwal sitting in Dubai bought a laptop two years back, which is probably old in technology and he could do with a new one. So what do they do? They ship it to me with an invoice and I have an option either to pay for it or return it. And guess what? 70% of the people who received the product signed for it and kept it. So here you had another sales challenge using technology, increasing your bottom line just by being smart. Amazing. Um, so let's just review where we're at. So we started off with person-centeredness um, being a, a key goal of development, especially. And then we looked at the power of values and giving people the opportunities to be value-driven. Um, and then we, we looked at management and um, that need for servant leadership. I think it's such an important um, concept for us to be looking at today and um, especially how management has, has been turned on its head and I think there's no space left for those micromanagers um, they need to wake up um, yes. uh, if we're to, to truly flourish and that and that um, moving forward is that balance between the needs of the company and the needs of staff and that staff have a voice and are heard and then finally the embracing of that technology um, as a way of moving forward is there anything else you think you'd like to add at this point yeah i mean um, the only other thing i would like to really emphasize is um, that you know at the heart of everything end of the day it's about being happy right and happiness uh, has to be the end goal i was passed on through uh, my WhatsApp group yesterday, uh, this article, actually it's a book uh, called The Sky Gets Dark Slowly, written by a Chinese author. His name is Zhao Daxin. The Sky Gets Dark Slowly. He's talking about how when people are entering their 60s, they are finding themselves at a loss, right? Because they're not prepared for how to deal with 60s. It's lonely at the top. Your family has got, you know, their own responsibilities. So they are doing their own stuff. And you are pretty much left all alone, unprepared. And you're searching for happiness. So I think even when you are 40, you are in your 50s, you need to have this work-life balance because it's extremely important. Don't just go crazy about achieving bottom line results. That's just one part of the story. The bigger story is you have to be in a happy frame of mind always. And that is something I feel a lot of leaders are losing sight of. It's very obvious, but we kind of neglect it. So uh, these days, if somebody asks me, what is your mantra? What is your advice? I simply say, go for happiness. Do whatever it takes to be happy. Don't have a very tall bucket list because you never know what happens tomorrow. So make every moment count, create memories, uh, cherish them, uh, and above all, just be kind. 
I mean, it's so simple end of the day. A beautiful place to end. And I think that, that happiness um, becomes much more available if we follow that formula that we've just explored um, in terms of navigating the new terrain. Gerard, thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk with you. I knew you would have lots of wisdom and insight to share with us. Um, and yeah, you, thank you. No, I value this and uh, we have created uh, good moments and memories. And I look forward to seeing this recording as soon as you make it available. And all the best to the Learning Communities Network. I wish you the very best. And I look forward to seeing you on the other side on some of our forthcoming webinars. Absolutely. And I'll put a link in um, so people can find it. Um, and I strongly recommend they're very inspiring conversations and um, bring about that little um, touch of happiness. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And all the best to you. Thank you.